0: Welcome to Last Chance Theater, I'm Laura
1: And I'm Justin
0: And this week we watched Rear Window
1: Which is a 1954 Alfred Hitchcock film
0: <laughs> It's a very weird thing to just like tack on there
1: Uh, yeah it is, but usually I forget what year the movie is and have to go back and actually edit in the correct year So I'm just proud that I remembered it this time <laughs>
0: So, before we start, so, did you have any... You had said last week that you'd never heard of this movie, so you didn't have any I impressions going in? heard of this movie,
1: but I immediately knew what it was when I started watching it because, well, first I was like, is this like that Disturbia movie? Which it was. And then after that, I remember that this movie is parodied in a Simpsons episode, and it's basically like done like almost shot for shot, but in a much longer time span. So I knew what it, I knew, I knew that they were parodying something, but I didn't know what it was. And so when I started watching this, I was like, "Oh, that's what this is."
0: Yeah, this concept, like obviously, like you said, Disturbia, that is like a lowbrow remake of this, it was starring Shia LaBeouf. I never saw Disturbia, but oh, like it's...
1: I saw commercials for Disturbia, and I understood well, that that's what was happening. <laughs> that one stars
0: Shia LaBeouf as a teenager who's on house arrest, he has an ankle bracelet, <laughs> and he starts watching his neighbors, and that includes like a pretty girl living like in the new house or something across the street or whatever and he watches her creepily like go swimming and change clothes before like finally like meeting American her. Style. Yeah, it's really creepy. <laughs> but then eventually she becomes his girlfriend and he also sees what he thinks is a murder across the street and Obviously, it's a remake but, of this movie. <laughs> just to...
1: and by by creepy, by creepy you mean not creepy at all because it's like oh it's Shia LaBeouf it's meant to be cute and adorable. No, they actually portray kind of, it as uh, a
0: little bit creepy because she confronts him about it too. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, obviously she gives in it's because it's funny. a Shia LaBeouf teen movie. Like,
1: but yeah, this movie, like you said, the Shia LaBeouf thing, it's kind of funny. I didn't see that movie, but you're talking about the girlfriend and like that's like what surprised me most about this movie was that. You know, he's, like, Jeff, I think his name was Jeff, right? Yes, that's... He's meant to be, like, the guy who was watching all this stuff, and he's telling people about it, and, and you, you expect him to be like, oh, you're crazy, Jeff, but, like, 30 minutes into the movie, like, everybody's But, board. I mean, well, initially, like, though, they're... they all
0: do think he's crazy, they're like, you're being a creep, like, you're just watching people, they're like, you need to stop, <laughs> but then, okay, but well, then they all Kelly, eventually Grace see something Kelly... that changes their minds.
1: Grace Kelly or Lisa, uh, she thinks he's crazy for like maybe five minutes before he's telling her something and she looks over there again and goes, what Yeah, she you sees see? something that she's changes her mind. Yeah, like she's just on board. And like it's really funny to me because like they don't even try to go into this whole like I think it's just a product of the time it was made in. Cause I had this discussion about um another movie on I think I don't know what movie it was, but I had a discussion about um, another movie from From the Bone Vault about how older movies didn't have the tropes to draw from that we have now. And so it's kind of funny to watch them now because you expect them to go a certain way because in your head, like, that's where this would usually go. But they don't do that because they don't have that to draw off of yet. So it almost feels more original because, like, they're not doing the normal thing you'd see now. And, like, today, this movie, he would be, like, ostracized as being crazy. And he'd be alone the whole movie, like, looking at this stuff. But that's not what happens this time.
0: I mean, I don't know that he would necessarily be ostracized in in a movie. Because, I guess we talked about Disturbia. Like, he's not. (laughs) Like, he gets people on his side. I don't know how
1: how that movie went, so (laughs) I don't know what happened there.
0: But, I mean, like, and then very similarly, like, the movie Don't Breathe, which came out last year... Um, It's slightly different, but it is a similar concept.
1: Um, You know what? I just realized something, too. So I mentioned the Simpsons thing. In the Simpsons, it's Bart who's, like, got a broken leg, and he's up in his room with a telescope that someone got him, and he's looking across at the Slanders house. What's funny is the person he sends into the house to investigate is Lisa, and I just thought about that. I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. (laughs) Like, it's the same name, character, and everything. But, but you know, like, I honestly wasn't sure if the murder had taken place. I was like, is this one of those things where it's just, yeah. like, no, like well, at the end, it's proven?
0: <laughs> I actually had that question. I was like, what, at one point, do you think the movie actually acknowledges that, like, something happened and that Jeff is not crazy?
1: <laughs> um, so, when the dog died, I was like more on the fence about it there because i thought maybe this dog died from some other thing like it got poisoned or something but then they're like oh they wrung its neck and i was like oh never mind that guy killed that dog for some reason so that's where i'm on board like i'm i'm like okay they're right that someone got murdered over there um the actual dog was like i, I called it basket dog in my notes that's my favorite character <laughs> he was getting a little basket They'd lower him down. It was just the craziest thing to me because, like, no one would send their dog down like that, I would think. That just seemed like a weird thing to do. Well, it's an enclosed... dangerous.
0: Well, no, it's an enclosed patio. Like, they didn't want to walk down, like, three or four flights of stairs just to get him outside when he needed to use the bathroom.
1: Well, actually, those people were the most baffling people in the whole group because they're sleeping on the fucking fire escape at night. And I was like, people have to go...
0: No, this is the middle of... Uh, like a heat wave in New York City. Like they don't have air conditioning, yeah. <laughs> so that's why they're sleeping on their no and they're the top floor. So there's no yeah, one. Above no one's them. using
1: their blinds. Like they, they have like all their shits. Right. That's, up. That's, well,
0: that's what they explained it because it's a heat wave. Like everyone's trying to get as much air to yeah, their apartments like really as they can.
1: Out. And what's his face? Jeff has. Uh, <laughs> he has those terrible like straw blinds that roll down. I was like, oh, that's the worst. Like I would keep those put up too. Um, he like he seems to be the least affected by the heat wave but everybody else is just like sweating and their windows are all opened up and they're all like oh he's sweating the Like they, they show just...
0: several shots of him sweating all the time <laughs> throughout the movie
1: he's like sweating and sleeping in that chair and he's like super which... uncomfortable
0: because his leg itches and it's
1: <laughs> the leg itching scene was like really tense for me because I was like what are you doing dude because he takes the stick and instead of going straight down the cast with it, he goes down his pants from the top. And I'm like, no, don't no, do cause that. No, that's, that's where the top the of his cast was. It. No, it yes, wasn't. Yes, it was. If you look at like the way the no, shot was, no. the cast was like at his like hip, no. like below his hip slightly. The
0: top of the cast is up, like his pants are over his cast because it has to go around his waist to hold it up.
1: Oh, uh, I, I I didn't see it that way. I, I, it looked to me like he was like going down the top of his pants and that his body was still bent. Like his pants were up on his stomach and he had to go down that and then down. I was like, what are you doing? No, his, go his, down the...
0: his pants are over his cast up at the top, but then his pant legs are cut for the main part of the cast <laughs> because it's too wide. Oh, uh,
1: Sorry, I'm just laughing at the discussion we're having <laughs> about where the cast was and like... How to scratch your leg? I've never worn a cast before, so I honestly don't know how they work exactly. I mean, I've seen people in them, obviously, but I've never broken a bone and had to wear a cast. So I, I mean, neither
0: have I. Worked. But like, I can see the cast in this movie. <laughs> like,
1: oh, I mean, I thought you'd broken a bone. Maybe hands against somebody else, but I broke my um, toe.
0: You don't get a cast for your toe.
1: <laughs>
0: you just splint it I to your next your toe. toe.
1: <laughs> yeah. That works. How'd you break your toe, though? Like, run into something?
0: No. It's a long story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it sounds I mean,
0: that was in Costa Rica. Uh, we did a waterfall hike, like, our second day there. And so it started raining on our way back up from the waterfall. It was like a hike down to see it. Um, so we're all wet. It was raining. Get back on the bus to our next destination. I slip on the bus, and I hit my toe on the seat. <laughs> oh.
1: It's not that embarrassing. Um, I mean, it's pretty embarrassing. Dad, like, I was dad, in Costa
0: Rica. We did a waterfall hike. But that's not where I broke my toe.
1: <laughs> broke it on the yeah, bus. Yeah, when you said waterfall hike, I was like, ooh. And then you were like, we got to, go to the bus. I was like, oh. And it's just like, it's like one of those stories where it's it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, is he going to wreck? Is he going to do this? And you're like, oh, never mind. Nope, I just I um, slept getting off the bus. I've never broken a bone, so I'm not sure how casts feel or work. Because like I felt like I was like, shouldn't he be in pain or on some kind of medication? This dude's just drinking all the time. I was like, this isn't. Some no, good he good had idea medication.
0: Um, he asks These the just, nurse to bring some.
1: <laughs> but they're just drinking. Like everybody. This drinking is all a the different time period. This is the fifties when 50s. everyone I drank all yeah. the time. Everybody had PTSD from the war, but um, and he's like a photographer for some magazine and he broke his camera standing in a racetrack I guess. That's how he broke his leg. Like a bad idea. Yeah, broke broke his leg and his camera. And like the movie starts off with one of those like long shots of like everybody's house and it's funny because you kind of don't really get much else like you get from the window you get like a shot of the alleyway, you get everybody else's apartments across the way. And there's, like, once or twice you get, like, a down on the uh, courtyard shot, but that's it. Like, there's no hallways, there's no... Well, no,
0: almost every scene, there's, like, I think three shots that were not shot from the interior of Jeff's apartment. Everything was shot from within there.
1: Um... It's, it's just kind of funny because there's a there's actually a video game that I, I thought about where it's like you just watch these people in a house and I was like that's kind of what he's doing like he's just like watching people in this house It's a game called night trap it's like an old like CDI game or some crap but I I wasn't sure if this was going to be about murders or not until that scream happened in the beginning because I thought okay maybe he's just gonna watch these people and he'll just kind of like see different stories. You know, and they're going to be like, oh, this story is about this woman being single and oh, kind of sad. The lady on the downstairs Ms. floor. Miss Lonely like a guy. Yeah, that's what they were calling her. It was just mean. They were mean to that poor woman. <laughs> and then the other girl who was like doing aerobics all the time or whatever you call Miss then. She was a ballet dancer. And then, and then the piano guy where I think I saw Hitchcock in that guy's apartment. Yeah, that was, that was where his cameo, cameo was. Standing. Yeah, he's standing by the. Fun fact about the songwriter guy.
0: Uh, That's the same guy that created Alvin and the Chipmunks.
1: Really? Yep. That's cool. (laughs) Well, that guy, I was like, I would call the police on this motherfucker. Like, every night he has, like, the loudest parties with, like, 18 people. There's a whole band in his apartment at one point. At the very end. But
0: it's because he's working on his music and he's trying to get inspired. Like, (laughs) it's the same. He plays the same song over and over, and it gets, there's more added to it every time he plays it. Yeah. So that's that's what it's about, and it's his song that saves Miss Lonelyheart's life before she commits suicide.
1: <laughs> oh, so she was gonna commit suicide. I thought they were just Oh yeah, like of course.
0: Did you not see the big bottle well, of pills?
1: She had a yeah, I was like, That's a lot of pills, lady. You like, don't take half a bottle. <laughs> a, of whatever those red pills were. They're,
0: they're sedatives, the nurse said so. Like
1: I mean I mean by name though. She said the name of it too, but I don't know. Yeah, but what it she was. called
0: them a sedative, like
1: and 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 then like i thought that was going to be like what distracted them from watching the other guy because they were like oh let's look down there what, what's she oh, doing? no they kind of forget about her and go
0: back to whatever they were well, doing yeah, like, when they uh... forgot and went back
1: up there i was like she's gonna be dead and they're gonna be like oh crap this person's really dead yeah that was like really like, alarming the body and everything
0: I, I, I forgot that she attempts suicide almost <laughs> and i was like oh shit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like she. I felt kind of bad for her because she like she had that guy come over and that guy was like really aggressive, like he was ultra aggressive.
0: Yeah, and, like
1: even for back then, I feel like.
0: Oh, of course he was. That's why she threw him out.
1: <laughs> you know, she like hit him in the face and everything, and threw him out. And he was like mad at her. I was like, yeah, dude, you can't do that sort of thing. Um, there's a helicopter shot that comes. A helicopter comes down over the building, and he's like looking at it. Um earlier in the movie. I can't remember what it was for. Like, it's just flying over and he looks up at it over the roof of the other apartment and it's obviously, like, a green screen style thing. Yeah, it's just superimposed. Yeah, it's like, because you can see it kind of, like, floating over the other image but I was like, this is better than some of the green screens in Justice League. Like, <laughs> That's how bad it gets sometimes. I was like, this looks more realistic to me than a movie right now. Like, you know, almost 70 years later, 60 years later um but but yeah like everything is shot in that one area is that a set or is that like a real apartment? it is it looked
0: um it's a paramount back lot what they did was because the paramount lots usually um like the interiors like they didn't go as high as they needed it to for the movie Mm. they ended up but a lot of them had uh, storage below so they ended up like taking out the floor and using the bottom as the courtyard like, what would have been the basement of it is the courtyard, so that they could get it as high as they needed to, and then they lit it um, for four times a day. So they had, like, lighting re- like presets, so that it would take them, like, half an hour, 45 minutes to change the lighting, instead of taking, like, a couple of hours. <laughs> so. Wow. It took, yeah, it took... Old movie effect. It, well, it took people, it took, like, two months to build the, the apartment, courtyard, and everything, like, and all the apartments had running water and electricity, so they were, like, livable. Um. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Hitchcock directed everything from within Jeff's apartment, so that he was never like in any of the other apartments to give direction. It was always like he had to give them earpieces, and always just and just told them what yeah, to do. Yeah, I feel
1: like I feel like the, the earpiece thing makes it easy because they're so far from the camera that even back then the earpiece wouldn't be big enough to see. And then also the fact that he's in the one apartment all the time makes his directing kind of have to be focused from that spot. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, that's the
0: point because it's everything is from Jeff's perspective, so it makes sense to just direct the whole thing from his perspective.
1: <laughs> and, and then the other thing that was weird to me was like we were talking earlier about like how movies have changed and like directing and stuff. But the cuts in this movie are so jarring and I get this just like a product of the time, but like they'll do weird cuts that feel almost like they shouldn't be like hard cuts. Like she goes to change clothes at one time and it cuts and I'm like, oh, it'll be the morning when they come back. Like, she'll it'll just be morning because they're going to skip all this nighttime. Nope, she comes back just dressed. The other one was like, "Oh, they just cut for like a minute or two. and that's just that's something you don't see done in films very much anymore. Not that way, like it's just. I mean, I don't know. They would do something weird, or
0: from an editing perspective, it is kind of weird. But I I do know that the way that Hitchcock directed his movies, um, he left very little trim. Like whenever, like they said for this movie, all the like trim from all like the cuts and everything. Up less than enough f- one film reel, like so he d- like he writes to the point where he wants the scene to stop, and that's where they stop. So there isn't really anything extra that they film and then cut out.
1: Yeah, the the, the, the scenes definitely the scenes definitely are encapsulated cons- uh, like into a little spot where there's not you don't feel like you got to cut that cut around something or cut something mm-hmm. out and i guess that makes it odd too because you you're used to seeing stuff written longer and shot longer and then cut to make a movie out of it
0: right which is what gets i think a lot of movies not necessarily in trouble necessarily trouble. but it it negatively affects them because you're just like oh we'll see what we like <laughs> instead of having like a plan from the get go of what you need yeah
1: like when you shoot like like seven cuts of like suicide squad and then like piece them back together and stuff doesn't make continuity sense because different cuts had different like storylines going on. That kind of right. happens with that. But I think that that's also like a product of like digital film. Like we don't, right, we don't have to worry, right? About because reels, you're not wasting
0: so. necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think Grace uh, Randolph talks about it a lot. Is that a director needs to have a plan and needs to know what they're doing. And I think not oh, yeah. necessarily that directors now don't know what they're doing, but I think a lot of them have gotten. A little, spoiled. yeah, a little spoiled with like having a lot of freedom, or being able to change their mind on the fly, which Hitchcock never did. Hey, I don't know. He always. I don't wrote know if this... directors
1: were as powerful back then, were they?
0: Hitchcock was very powerful.
1: But I mean, where where was the general director as powerful like as you see them being now? Like, there's so many powerful directors right it now.
0: It it depends on they, the director did. and who you're talking about, because a lot of them like Hitchcock is kind of one of the first auteurs where he had real direct ownership of his movies. Uh, Like, everything is how he specifically wants it. And I think a lot of directors directors act like that that's how they are, but they are really just (laughs) (laughs) kind of doing what they think looks cool at the moment. Like, instead of having a plan, having a very set vision for what they're doing.
1: I I think it's like if Hitchcock had gone out there and shot like 300 hours of film for a two-hour movie, they probably would have kicked him in his dick because, like, there's no way they're going to let you shoot that much to cut it down to two hours but you hear that about movies now like you hear people say oh we shot like 400 hours for this two and a half hour movie to get coverage you're like coverage of what like
0: yeah there's that's the, that's like there's a waste of people's time <laughs>
1: this movie also doesn't have uh like there's not very many named name characters There's like there's people that have like little you know made-up names they give them like miss lonely hearts and piano guy and uh, aerobics lady I can't remember her Ms. name Miss Torso Miss Torso which sounds kind of disturbing honestly it's like a, a, a Silent Hill monster name <laughs> um, what do they call the two the couple that are up there with the dog
0: Um, I forget what he calls them
1: that lady has the longest little speech after her dog dies, and everybody's kind of like, "Uh, like they're just like, let's come back inside." When she stops talking, I was like, "Yeah, that was pretty awkward."
0: Well, it seemed like it is awkward, but like she makes a lot of sense in it, and then like she talks about how no one cares about each other, and then they all look like really kind of like guilty, and then immediately as soon as she goes back inside, they all just go back to their things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, cool. which is it's yeah, it's not. Nice, I mean, it makes whatever. a
0: lot of sense, and like and it's just it's very true. <laughs>
1: It, may, it makes sense, but it feels really out of place in the movie because everybody else kind of talks like real people for the mo- most part. Like, the discussions that Lisa and Jeff have are pretty... Well, Jeff is mean as fuck to Lisa. He's got
0: some issues. Like, he and Lisa, like, their relationship...
1: Is baffling.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love Jimmy Stewart, but yeah. Hitchcock tends to make him play some of, like... The not so nicest guys which is i mean the point because jimmy Stewart is he is the every man of hollywood cinema at this point in his career um and i mean after he came back from the war he definitely took on a lot of darker roles that's when he started working with hitchcock a lot mm-hmm. um instead of doing a lot of like the it's a wonderful life type roles where he's all-american <laughs> hero type so so he is cast that way on purpose um because he is someone that you can re- he is always someone that you can relate to, and that's, that's like, the point. I, f-
1: I felt bad for her because I was she was kind of like trying her best to like put herself out there to be like part of what he was doing. Oh yeah, I
0: have notes in here about her and him. he would
1: also like make the most snide remarks at her when she would when she would just not like like people always go oh women start fights with men but like he was totally starting fights with her it was it was and like it's funny they wrote it that way because you'd expect it to be like sexist and kind of like, vie on the side of him and be like, Oh, she starts these fights, but she would just be talking to him about like whatever, and he would just make some snide remark at her. And you could see her face kind of go, Well, yeah, you know, you said this thing, and eventually she does get upset and just start to kind of like shut down on him. And I was like, Yeah, you're being really mean. To yeah, girl. no,
0: I have a note. <laughs> so, I have a note in here that she tries so hard to be perfect, especially because that's what she's taught she needs to be. Um, especially as a woman in the fifties, like you have to be perfect just to do all these things. And he is mad at her for it. <laughs> he's he's yeah, so angry and, that she tries so hard to be perfect and do nice things for him. And he just, he takes it out on her.
1: I mean, she's got a job and shit. She like brings him food with that weird guy with that weird metal case, the food was in. that was strange.
0: Yeah. She, well, she brings him essentially takeout from one of their favorite restaurants.
1: And, and then he's talking about how, Oh, you know, you wear those heels. Those aren't good in the jungle. Like, she's climbing around on window ledges and shit like Assassin's Creed in heels, so I don't know what you're talking about. But I mean, by that point, when she's
0: climbing around windows, she's showing him that she can be the adventurous type, she can fit in his world, and that's when he's starting to, like, look at her, like, with lovey eyes and stuff, and be really into her yeah, again. At that
1: point, they're both just all in because, like, they just thought, like, her, the, the nurse, too, like, they decided they're just gonna become, like, you know, vigilantes or something and start...
0: I mean, I think it's a good question of, like, is Lisa truly invested in, like, the murder case or is she just kind of proved to Jeff that she can fit in in his world and support him and be a part of it? I don't know.
1: I think that once you cross the line of breaking and entering, you're pretty invested in <laughs> something. But, I mean, something th- th- like...
0: so if a lot of people talk about, like, the very end scene where he's fallen back asleep. And she's reading uh, the book about hiking in the Himalayas, and then as soon as he's asleep, then she switches it back to her fashion magazine.
1: <laughs> she's like, "Enough of that!" But it's funny too because when she goes up there to get in the window, I was like, "That window's too far from the ledge unless she's gonna go around the ledge and put her back."
0: I don't know why it... to the window. I mean, I guess maybe then... the window like in front of the fire escape wasn't open. <laughs> but I was like, "It
1: wasn't. No, it wasn't." But I was like, the... "Because she tries it."
0: Okay. But especially, like, when when she could have left, she could have gone out that window. Oh, yeah.
1: That was what I said. Why don't you just go out that fire escape window as he's coming in and just go around? Because, like, let's say he comes out to get you. Now you're outside, like, on the fire escape where people are meant to escape from. You can just get down. But with this, like, run back in the apartment, I don't know, do what? Stand against the wall? I don't know where she was because you can't see that part of the apartment. But... I I think she she was in the bathroom, is where
0: she might have been. (laughs) Or the closet.
1: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Like, she was going as deep as she could into the
0: apartment, away from the door, which doesn't really make sense when it's his apartment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she runs to the back of the apartment, and I'm like, is there a second door back there? What are you doing? Hiding, Um, and
0: not very well, because...
1: (laughs) Well... I mean, if you had to hide in Jeff's apartment, you'd, you'd be screwed, too. Like, there's not anywhere in those apartments to actually hide. He says it's a two-room apartment. We never see the kitchen, though, because we hear her go in there, and it's the most obvious. Well, you
0: can kind of see a little bit obvious, of
1: it. Well, you, you hear, like, the most obvious, like, like, recorded hum from her in the kitchen, because it's too loud to be, like, natural. Oh, no, everything in this movie is that natural that sound. So why was it so loud? Were they they mic the kitchen weird, or something.
0: I don't know, but this whole it's movie, weird. like, what's one of the big things about it is that it's all diegetic sound. Everything is being played like in the rooms, and it's
1: it's so the the rain even felt real, and you know, it's like a rain machine, I guess.
0: Yeah, because they're in a set here, but yeah, it's everything just feels like, I mean, it feels natural to what Jeff would would see because they've built it to be everything that he would see or hear or anything like that.
1: Well, Jeff needs a TV. That's what the problem was. <laughs> I know it's the 50s and all, but he just needs a TV or something. Because, like, he was treating this window like his television. He's, like, watching the people, like, making up stories for him. Well, I mean, um,
0: again, this is, like, where it's a, it's a different time period. Like, watch, looking out the window is kind of considered a pastime. Like, <laughs> they don't have the things to keep us constantly entertained like we do now.
1: I meant to say earlier, they show, they show his camera equipment at one point. The little flash... Uh, I guess it's like a flash gun back then, and the the big lens he uses to look over there, like that wildlife lens he he takes out of the thing mm-hmm. and uh the flash the flash uh bulb has that big round plate behind it, and then that little stalk that goes on the camera, typically, yeah, that's actually what the original lightsabers were made from that same one he has like if you look at it, it looks like the same thing, like you just tear off that stalk and that's what they make him out of. And because of that, you can't even find those anymore. Like, they're super rare because people bought them all up and, you know, turning the lightsabers. <laughs>
0: oh, weirdos. <laughs> I've seen one in
1: person before, and, like, it made me laugh because it was pretty realistic. He was trying to flash the guy in the face with the camera bulbs, and I was like, yep, that's how it would go. you got to, like, pop the bulb out real quick, screw another one in. It's like one well, so shot Also, for that scene gone. to
0: figure out how they needed to do that effect – I guess the the assistant cinematographer guy, Herbie, he had a whole bunch of staff members. Like he put them all in a dark room, and he flashed, like the flash at them, and had them describe what Uh, they saw. (laughs) And he did it over and over, so that he could get the effect right. Yeah,
1: I mean the effect the effect is is more or less correct. Like your eye will go, you know, it'll go like kind of like yellow and orange for a split second, and it will slowly fade back in. Yeah. So, yeah, that made sense. But I don't know what his plan was for when the guy got to him. Yeah, that like, is a little, like, okay, why aren't you,
0: like, at least backing into, like, the that? kitchen, like, so you can get a knife I or something. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, get a real weapon. Like, this camera flash. Because that guy didn't have a weapon either. Like, he I mean, what he was trying to like, do, he was trying obviously. to buy
0: time and attract the attention of the cops that were going to be coming over to that guy's apartment.
1: But I mean, like the the uh, the other guy, like he had no weapon either. I was like, "What was anybody's plan?" I'm gonna come in your apartment. Oh, that
0: guy and was straight up I gonna just like beat you. him to death or strangle him. I think.
1: <laughs> but he could have brought a knife, which makes beating someone to death way easier than just you know wrestling around on the floor with him.
0: I mean, I think he didn't truly know who was watching him, so I think he a lot. Some of it was kind of let's see what what I've what who was there.
1: Yeah, Lisa blew his cover. She was yelling, <laughs> yelling across the way like that. Well,
0: no, it was it was the waving the ring at him from her hand.
1: No, no, no. Remember, she yells for Jeff like she, turns she does, but he doesn't
0: notice like who she's talking to until he's like till he's looking at the ring on her finger that she's waving to someone watching.
1: Oh, and he, yeah, he looks, and we see, we see, wasn't stupid. She was just kind of. Into her fashion stuff, which some of the dresses she wears are really weird.
0: Oh, I love her clothes in this movie, love them so
1: much. <laughs> you would like this stuff, like I was like, these are clothes Laura would love. Like they're like, there's like the black and white dress that's got the the big kind of poofy bottom. On well, it. it's her got like a so
0: Edith lacy. Head is a pretty famous costume designer who worked on this movie, um, and she and Hitchcock planned all the outfits out very specifically, so all of them kind of mean something. To an extent, beyond just looking. at The amazing. last outfit
1: is the most practical, so I'm guessing that's why they did that one last.
0: Right, with her kind of her, her high waters and her loafers.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's in the bed with like with her shoes on. By the way um and he wouldn't get in the bed That was the other weird thing to me i was like dude get in your bed like you're sleeping in a wheelchair your whole body's gonna be sore well
0: why so he needs those massages from the nurse all the time and she's like sleep in your bed
1: <laughs> w- were, were those massages or were they just like lotioning him i was really confused it was, it was, was like, massages to like work out his it...
0: muscles so, like she worked for the insurance company
1: <laughs> yeah i heard that i was like this is the whole weird this is a thing that doesn't exist anymore like <laughs> milkman like some kind of nurse that comes over from your insurance company Milkmen still and... exist Do they? We
0: get our milk delivered.
1: What? (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck is going on up there?
0: I'm sure you have it too. You just don't know.
1: No, there's no milkman down here. We can call H-E-B and they'll deliver groceries to us, but there's not like a dude with a milk truck. I mean, you've seen our ice cream truck. Do you think we get milk delivered down here? But, but but like, this movie, oh, also everybody smokes a lot. There's, like, a lot of smoking, which is, like, a theme in our movies, people smoking, like, inappropriately. This
0: is the only movie where Grace Kelly smokes. She refused to do it on any other movie.
1: She smokes, like, one cigarette in this movie. Well, too. yeah, but it's, it's a big like deal she because
0: she refused to do it in any other movie, and smoking was just a thing that people happened to do in a lot of movies, like, to set kind of atmosphere. Why did she
1: do it in this movie, then? Like, it didn't feel like it was necessary.
0: I'm not sure why she did it, but it's the only movie she smoked in.
1: I hate that detective. By the way, he's the worst person. Like he's a dick. He had that little. He had that little hat, like he was, you know, selling monorail somewhere or some shit. That little straw hat he comes in and in, and then he's like, he's he's like kind of like it's a
0: sun hat because so it's hot outside. <laughs>
1: It's not even a sun hat, like it's like one of those monorail salesman hats. Like a sun hat is like a wide brimmed you know, like hat. Yeah, but like, he's gotta, like, like, gonna like, wear like that list. in the
0: city. But if he's gonna have a hat while he's walking around New York City.
1: <laughs> Wait, if he's gonna like <laughs> block the sun out, let's do it right. But then he comes in and he's like looking at at, at Lisa's suitcase. Like he's like looking at the woman across the thing, and and just like you're married, and he's just like yeah like whatever you know <laughs> he's just like so he's ruder to lisa than jeff is like he comes in for a few minutes and i'm just like oh this is the worst person so far i know
0: he calls her an idiot like, essentially is what he does
1: he calls her an idiot and then he 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 basically she's like oh you know a woman wouldn't do this and he's like oh you're the expert on women and blah blah blah. Well, like, you know he's what like, what like women's intuition right is useless
0: now. and it's like uh, she's yeah, got some I, points there, though, <laughs> that you're kind of it's ignoring.
1: Like, it's like first you come in this man's house late at night. I, I know he called you, but then you're just being rude to his girlfriend and like talking down to everybody. You well, the, the fact that
0: she was staying the night is a weird thing. uh That wasn't. Well, no, I mean but it's the fifties. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I felt like that was kind of weird too. I felt like, oh, this is kind of progressive, I guess, because she's staying over there and she has, like... Well, the... I
0: mean, there's a through line throughout the movie of where Lisa really wants to have sex with Jeff and Jeff is not interested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I also didn't understand. i was like, what's this dude's problem? Like, right, it's like, you've so... got Grace like...
0: Kelly... In these beautiful clothes. She looks
1: 15 years younger than you, at least. And, like, I don't know how old they are, but she looks way younger than him. Like, well, she easily. is way younger
0: than him. But. <laughs>
1: like, I don't know how old she is, but she looks like she could be, like, 20-something. And he's not. Yeah. And it, it's funny because the nurse mentions them both being young people. And was like, oh, this guy's not young. Like, he's at least in his 40s. And then the girl comes in, like, oh, well, she she looks like she could be at, at most in her 30s. So,
0: no, she's in her 20s, I believe, in this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, she looks like she could be, like, your age, like, at the most. And, like, he's, like, he's got, like, a lot of gray hair. Like, he has more gray hair than not gray hair.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, this is, you and, know, well after the war, and he had a career before the war. Like...
1: <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying Jim is... She was just the movie, moving around but, but a while. <laughs> I, I, get, I get how movies act like someone who's older is younger. Like, that's a thing in movies all the time. Right, but I, mean, I think... But, I
0: think, especially at this time period, a man being young was a different kind of standard than a woman being young. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, that does make a little bit of sense. I feel like it just, it it, it really was them trying to, I don't know.
0: No, because to me, it was like, oh, you know, you, to me, I think people still kind of thought of him as young. Because it wasn't unusual for him to not have been married. Like, they've... Encouraged well, him to be like, married, some,
1: but they could have rubbed some like just for men in his hair or something. <laughs> um, is he is he gay in real life? No. No. Okay. Why? <laughs> I must be thinking of someone else. Like, no, you are thinking of Cary Grant, aren't you? Band. Maybe, but my my I remember my dad was like, we all knew he was gay. Rock like, Hudson, knew. I was like. I don't know. Like, There's some people that like everybody knows they're gay, but no one says they're well, gay. Well, Rock it's Hudson
0: like... was one of the first movie stars to get AIDS. He was kind of the big one that made it a big kind of deal.
1: Because there was someone recently who announced that they were gay publicly. It was like a singer, and I don't remember who it was, but I remember being like, uh, "I knew that already," and I don't even know how I knew it. I just in my like in my heart of hearts, I was like, "That guy's gay," and it was not a problem, but it was funny to me that he announced it, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, bro," we all knew. Like
0: Cary Grant is you know, no one widely rumored to have been gay, uh, and he was also in a lot of Hitchcock movies, so that might be who you're thinking of.
1: I might be thinking of Cary Grant. I know that like I, I've I've looked into some other stars like Vincent Price was bisexual and other stars like that. Like I've looked into, and they were just I mean you know they were probably having to hide it because the time period. He seems way too uninterested in this girl who there's nothing wrong with. She's got a job. She's really pretty. I think kind of what stupid. it
0: what it comes down to is he doesn't feel like he deserves her and that makes him angry. Um, so he tries to kind of bring that's her really down. I, I, to me, that's what I really think it is, especially He he's, just negs her constantly. Right, well, because, like, especially, like, during when this movie is set, he's got a broken leg, and he's still got, like, another week to go before the cast is even off, and he can't do anything. He's just kind of stuck, and she's doing all the stuff for him, <laughs> and he just... Yeah, I mean... And she's got this great life, she's I, rich, I, she's kind of powerful, like... <laughs>
1: I, I guess I get that like I guess that at the time period her being so well known and powerful and him kind of like scrounging around for like these photography jobs that seem to be sort of shitty photography jobs like hey go to you know go to Timbuktu and shoot some pictures I'm like no and she even offered to help him get like model photography jobs and, and I that just like,
0: made him angry because she was helping yeah, him yeah <laughs> he was just like
1: oh I bet you could do that I was like yeah she probably could you should probably take her up on it because it sounds way better than breaking your leg getting hit by cars you know for no reason
0: yeah, so I I think it's just it's a matter if he feels impotent, and he to a large part he is impotent through this whole movie. Like it's all the women that do all the stuff. Like the nurse and Lisa are the ones that go breaking into the other guy's house, that go digging around for stuff, that do kind of all the real investigating.
1: It, it is funny to me that like you said, the, the detective is kind of looking at the overnight bag, and like the line she says after she comes back when after he comes after the detective leaves, she says. You think I stole this bag? And I think that that kind of like lets on that she doesn't know why he's looking, which means that maybe it's like a city thing versus like a not-so-city attitude or like progressive attitude versus not-so-progressive because it feels like the detective and him are kind of on the same I don't think it's wings like wings city versus there.
0: not city. I think it's class.
1: Um, yeah, maybe. I think I mean, that sure. makes more sense than city because they, they're all in this city. Right. <laughs> no one's and in I New think York City going country. And I
0: think as someone rich she kind of has a little bit more freedom in a lot of things so she's not used to being not doing the right thing I guess
1: (laughs) yeah I mean she's not she's doing like the socially unacceptable things because, you know, watching it today, like, her staying over at his house is no big deal. Like, that's just the thing that happens. A lot of people do, you know... It would be pretty normal, especially if he or.
0: is, you know, so hurt that he can't do things. Like, it would make sense for her to stay the night and help take care which
1: of it. Which actually is pretty funny because, like, yeah, he's there alone and he's hurt. Like, she, like not, they can't really do much anyway, and then her being there could help him it's like no one else is there to help him he doesn't have a, a brother or a sister it's just the nurse and her and you know mm-hmm. but i mean and so the
0: nurse stella is the best she is hilarious throughout the entire movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> the nurse is just kind of like she's she's negging him back like she's just like oh, oh yeah she always know, tells him what a to... tool
0: he's being and it's great
1: <laughs> well yeah he's being a tool and then she's also the one who, when when Lisa goes breaking into the place, she's like, I'm not going over there and runs back. You know? I know. I
0: was like, why did you just leave her? Like, she needs someone, like, at least to, like, yeah, on the balcony like, to, like, I warn honestly,
1: her. I honestly thought that she should have hung out in the hallway or something. Like, if he came up to, like. Well, she could have been uh, on that fire escape, escape and, like, hall.
0: looking through the hallway to, like, tap on the window or something. Like, hey. Oh, I meant
1: more like she could have just, like, stayed in the lobby or something like that. To bother him if he came in about something and talked to him. That way, if you know, it'd buy her more time because you know, he could see the guy coming up the alleyway, but like for whatever reason, like once you enter the building, you just teleport up the hall because like it's obviously not the same floor, but like it's just as long to like turn your head across there as it is to get up the steps and in the view again. So if she had been down there to stop him for a bit, it would have brought her like you know, maybe 15 more seconds to get out.
0: But she she might not have necessarily known unless Jeff truly had, like, the phone ready to go to ring her to get out. Like,
1: they should have made a plan. They should have had a plan, like, okay, you go in there and start a fire, right? And then... Well, I mean, they thought that they were going to find their evidence
0: in the flower bed. They didn't think that they were going to have to go into the apartment.
1: (laughs) That that was her, like, impulsive, like, I'm going to run in this apartment really quick and just, I'll knock this out. Right, right it's her going,
0: I'll show Jeff what I can do. I can do this. (laughs)
1: Like, I'll show and him. she gets arrested. <laughs> Cause you feel scared for her because she's like the one who gets like attacked first. She gets like thrown on the floor, and that guy.
0: Right. Like, like I mean, it's it's truly like Jeff's story, but I think like I think you care more about Lisa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lisa's a nicer person than Jeff. She she's she seems to be nicer and smarter than most of the men around her. Like at first, you could believe that Jeff kind of just is suspicious because he's bored. Like he's, right. over, he's like, yeah, she never came home, and he's sleeping on the couch out here. I was like, uh, maybe he's just got in trouble with his wife, dude, and he's sleeping out there because he's in trouble. I mean,
0: let's be, The or, wife you know. was, she was really mean to him <laughs> from what you could see through the window. Like, he brought her a flower and she threw it at him and like she would laugh at him I don't remember any of that
1: like I didn't <laughs> see that I guess it must have just been like because I was writing notes at some point and I think I might have covered the screen up
0: <laughs> there was a scene where he brings her like breakfast in bed and he has a flower from his flower bed downstairs like on a little vase on the tray that he brings her and she just takes the flower and she throws it at him
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great and she's like think, constantly like I, I laughing at him it's really arguing. weird <laughs> I thought that he was going to see her get murdered when she was laughing at him. Because, you know, like, that's, like, one of those things, like, guys, like, oh, you know, she laughed at me and I I hit her in the face. It's like, why?
0: Right. I mean, I think it was just a a culmination of a lot of events of her constantly laughing at him.
1: Of her just being, like, really mean to him and him just being like, oh, I'm going to kill her and cut her up and put her in little boxes. (laughs) Right. And, And... And and Jeff's reasoning for it was just like, yeah, this guy's going out of his apartment late at night, coming back three times. I'm like, that's not all that weird. I mean, it's weird, but it's not weird enough for me to be, like, calling my friends about it. Well, yeah, I was saying, like, Like, Jeff
0: is, like, he's very cynical about what he's seeing, like, all of it. Like, Lisa's very, like, she's very kind of optimistic, necessarily, but she's, like, she makes them seem more like humans when she's, like, imagining stories for them. (laughs) And Jeff's like, nope, they're all terrible people.
1: (laughs) I don't look out the window, but I, I can go outside and see my neighbors and shit and they're, they're doing weird stuff outside I don't, I don't know what the fuck's happening like the little boy across the street was laying on the sidewalk talking to a cat for like 30 minutes one day and we're just like what the fuck's happening right now he's not little like he's like 12 too old to be talking to cats in the street <laughs> and and you know i'm not gonna like call my friends be like hey guess what this kid's out here talking to this fucking cat like what are they plotting and like that's how jeff was reacting because he's just like like some of the stuff that was happening was so random but no like the the black babysitter that, when oh, they that was her, such a I was racist like, phone that call <laughs> was that was my favorite racist moment I was like yes something weird happened there's like one other black person in the movie briefly where they're showing um, the windows at one point someone reaches out of a window with like laundry and it's like a black person but you don't see any other part of them and it's like nothing particularly like racist there but like the voice on the phone I was like oh this is terrible what it's was, one of
0: those it's like the gone with the wind prissy voice um, from the, the maid Prissy in Gone with the Wind, Wind. so there's but... a maid in Gone with the Wind named Prissy and she's got a really high childlike voice and that's the kind of voice that they use for the babysitter where it's so insulting I think
1: <laughs> it's insulting but it's funny because like I've seen how bad stuff can get and what's funny about it is that like a lot of times it's not meant to be insulting. Well, of course not. And that's not. the thing that makes it more insulting <laughs> is that it's like, like now you see things where people are like, are meaning to be insulting or racist, but like back then it wasn't even like they were actively trying to be racist it was just so racist across the board that they were just doing whatever
0: i mean for one thing it's also not even expressly noted that the babysitter is black but you can tell by the voice well, that they chose to they,
1: use it's <laughs> funny that, like we're making it more racist by assuming it could just be somebody like and honestly it's true it could be someone who's not black it could be a person who grew up around black people and just speaks like that in that time period because that would happen
0: one of the weird things uh weird time period things I say that I found more distracting than anything was the scene where Lisa, Jeff, and the detective are all swirling their brandy.
1: Oh yeah, I'm gonna warm this brandy up. <laughs> and
0: it's like the, the, so the whole scene; they're all just like wiggling their arms just a little bit so they can swirl the brandy. And it's the whole scene. It I found it very distracting. Well, you know
1: why? Right? That was real brandy because I it, I guarantee that was real brandy because oh, sure. it looked like real brandy. And I was like, people were just drinking on sets in the 50s. Like you could just go to work and get tanked up. Like everybody's yeah. drinking. Like You clearly have not watched a lot of Mad
0: Men.
1: (laughs) But at least this movie is not like, like when you say from the 50s, it's not like it's like some weird jarring shit happening. It's not like it's like one of those real weird, like out of place, you can't really relate to anybody things. You know, like you can get an idea of what people, you know, are doing, what their life's like. It looks familiar enough. Sometimes when you watch things that are that old or from that time period, it's just like, "Oh, what are they doing now? Like, what's happening here?" I mean, I did like that he said automatic wash machine. He said, "What did he say? Automatic, automatic wash machine or automatic clothes yeah, washer?" Yeah, t- talking about the know, dishwasher laugh, or
0: the washer and washer and dryer.
1: Yeah, he, he said he said dish electric dishwasher, and he said um, I actually wrote a note. Uh, it's way up here. Automatic laundry. That's what he called it. And I wrote automatic laundry. Wow! (laughs) And oh, uh, one more thing that I did notice before I forget, because I kind of want to make sure I say this: the very end of the movie, um, there's a the the song that plays is uh, "That's amore." Like it plays several times throughout the movie. I didn't notice that, but I noticed it over the credits. Um, What is happening right now?
0: Because so this movie was released by Paramount, Uh and so they used source music and. Paramount, so basically anything in Paramount's catalog. And so that's Amore was popular at the time, so that was one that they got to use. It makes me laugh
1: because because Paramount, like, it's funny how the studios used to work and they would have like these weird, like, things they would own stuff and they would just kind of hoard it together and use it different places. Yeah. Um,
0: but that's why you hear that's Amore is because it was popular in that, in that time period and Paramount had the rights to it, so they got to use it. <laughs>
1: No, it's like on like Olive Garden commercials and stuff that's about it uh, that's <laughs> like, all it makes um, me think of the, is like
0: Italian restaurants Like I can't even imagine like the whole yeah, song yeah I just think
1: of like <laughs> string cheese and like pasta being rolled around the fork um, <laughs> there's a part where he calls the, the detective and then hangs up and the phone rings and he picks it back up and he starts talking to the guy again and he's like he pauses like oh shit it's not him it's the other guy And I was like, what did we do before caller ID? Because I remember before caller ID, (laughs) but I was too young to be, like, taking calls. But, like, I couldn't imagine getting a call from someone and just not knowing who the fuck it was and picking it up. Wild times. Wild times. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's like phone roulette. It could be anybody. It could be a bill collector. Your friends. You know. That's
0: That's what call screening was for, was when people would, like, make you, like, start leaving a message before they'd pick up.
1: Yeah, I I don't even know if kids that are born like recently will ever understand the like social awkwardness (laughs) and horror of like leaving messages on a tape answering machine where you calling your friend's
0: house like and hoping not to get their parent to answer.
1: I don't know how he even got the other guy. Well, he looked his number up in the phone book, didn't he?
0: Yeah, because by then he had his name. So.
1: That's right. He had because uh, the detective gave the name to him, and he was. And that's the other thing is, like, he no, didn't know who the person uh, was. Like he,
0: someone else got name, I think it was.
1: Oh, it was a nurse. She yeah. went over there and looked at his mailbox or some shit. That's the other funny thing is that like he didn't know who these people were. Like he never referred to anybody by name. It was Miss Lonely Hearts and right. That's why uh, it's it's like lady.
0: it's kind of crazy that he was able to like solve a crime because he knows nothing about these people like at all other than what he's been seeing for like, the past six weeks which I guess is kind of a long time but...
1: we, yeah we also understand that he was probably traveling a lot and that's probably why he didn't know much about anything well on, no like, because
0: gotta... the when the one neighbor gives her speech um, when her dog dies she talks about how none of the neighbors know each other
1: like I took that as her being fucking dramatic. I was just like, "Hey, no." Calm I mean, I think down. it's I like, think it's a
0: very real thing. Like just because you live near someone doesn't necessarily mean that you know them or you're going to take the time to get to know them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I got that. That's what it was. She was saying, but it just felt like she was being more dramatic. Well, than obviously she was being because... dramatic, but like
0: I think I think it's not that she wasn't totally right, though. I think yes, Jeff probably traveled a lot, but I mean, the other people didn't necessarily seem to know anyone very well either. Like no one seemed to notice that the wife went missing. No one seemed to notice a lot of things I
1: mean the wife going missing was probably was really easy to miss and I think that that's, that's what made it so important because she wasn't really a person who left the house like Jeff said she was sick and she was like an invalid so her going missing is hard to tell because you'd have to go in their apartment or just trust his word at it but yeah like I thought that the other lady went to a party didn't she upstairs with them? what lady? Uh, miss Lonely Hearts I don't think so okay you know what it was i assumed she had gone to that party because you see her you see her um come back with that guy during one of their parties and i just i think i assumed that she no but they show you before she goes
0: that to that guy. restaurant across the way
1: i don't remember that that little diner out there yeah she it's goes like there visible from the Oh, I didn't see her, I guess. I don't know why. Yeah. Because, like, he was watching a bunch of different stuff. Like, he would move from spot to spot. Well, no, Jeff watched her, like, like
0: she had her drink before she was just getting ready, and then she had her drink right before she left, and then she walked right over there. Well, and then, you know, the couple with the mattress on the balcony, uh, the scene where they have to move it in when it starts raining, he he gave them separate directions, which is why they start fighting, because they were both told to pull it different ways.
1: (laughs) That's kind of mean. So
0: it was just it like it's kind of frank, but like that's how he got it to be like a more organic fight, and like how it's kind of funny when he falls in because he was, that was an accident.
1: Oh, that's pretty funny. I I I remember that, but I was more concerned about the fact there was a mattress on the, on the thing, and it was like, what are you guys doing? Like it was just it was a really weird, like people do weird things. Like, like oh no, I, I I definitely understand that. I I get why they did it, but it just felt like. It felt very much like a thing you wouldn't do anymore, and so it, it's something I never imagined people doing, like sleeping outside in the city. You know,
0: I mean, I think it. I think it depends on like a lot of factors, like oh, yeah, they were on the top floor, so it's not like anyone was going to have to like climb over them uh, and get robbed. Right, like they were right there. Uh, it was hot, <laughs> like and clearly their apartment didn't get very good ventilation. Um, I think
1: the biggest factor is it was hot.
0: Yeah, the biggest factor obviously is that it's hot, but like 50s, like it was a relatively a safe feeling time for New York City. Like it was before the 70s when things got like the crazy 70s, dangerous Everything got really bad. <laughs> right. So like it's like people felt safe enough to do it. But it's weird enough because, yeah, mm-hmm. New York City is super crowded. So you don't have like you don't have like all these amenities to your apartments. So, like you kind of take what you can get even then. <laughs>
1: But it's funny to see like this, this New York is, is people feel so safe. So they just sleep outside and their windows are always like, – because like people are opening all their windows, like just mm-hmm. all around the house and even on the bottom floor, you know, where you could just step over the bushes into the window. And that, that's just something – like I wouldn't leave my room windows open here and walk out into the kitchen. Like I would stay, I would stay in the room with it like the whole time. It's just like different times.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a a line uh, where Jeff is when he's trying to explain why he thinks that uh, Raymond Burr is guilty, and he's like, he's sitting in the living room in the dark, which is exactly what Jeff is doing. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> it just makes that. me
0: laugh because like he has all his lights turned out so that people don't see him watching.
1: <laughs> well, some of some of the things that Jeff has for like excuses are like so like rickety and not even, like, a real excuse for why this person is guilty.
0: Yeah, I just, that one made me laugh, because he's like, he's sitting in the living room, alone in the dark, I'm like, that's exactly what you're doing.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of little gags like that that I'm pretty sure are, are totally intentional.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the, kind of the point, because it's, you're supposed to kind of see, like, who's in the right, like, especially when you don't know for sure that a murder has happened, like, is Jeff just being kind of psycho, and being really creepy, or is he actually on yeah, to
1: something? Yeah, or is, it, is he actually like figure something out? Yeah, I. Th- that's why I was kind of not sure if this is going to be a thing about them solving a murder or them finding out that Jeff was like going mad and you know he gets committed or something.
0: It, yeah, it seems like it could go either way, except that it's
1: for for a long time it does. Yeah, not, not at the at the very end you're like, oh that dog died, okay.
0: Yeah, poor puppy. <laughs>
1: yes, basket dog is the best. <laughs>
0: And so some of the stuff from this movie, like I've talked about, like how it was all filmed from inside Jeff's apartment. Um, it's just very reminiscent of another Hitchcock movie called Rope, which also stars Jimmy Stewart. Um, but that it one was
1: all shot from a rope.
0: No <laughs> it's all shot from and in one apartment, but it's all shot in almost one continuous take. There's three cuts um so they can change film. That's it. Weird. yeah. So one of the, I mean,
1: uh, isn't. Isn't Birdman like that also? It's like all one big take.
0: Birdman is all one take, but it's a different way of doing it than the way Rope did it, obviously.
1: Yeah. I also think that it... I think there are... I think there's like one or... Isn't there one or two cuts in Birdman, but they're really hard to see? Like, they're really small cuts that are...
0: Um, In Birdman, I think that they're like... I've only seen it once, so I can't remember exactly, but I think... I think that there's They are... I think at the beginning and end, there might be a couple.
1: Yeah, and like... It, the long take thing is i feel like it's something that gets a lot of credit for being really cool but it only works in situations where it works like it doesn't work when you're dealing with like long periods of times being told in a story unless you find some real creative way to like you know do a a like scene change that doesn't revolve, re- require a take like you know you go out on a hallway for a bit and time ch- time passes which that's but, kind of what birdman like,
0: does like I didn't, yeah. I didn't particularly love the movie, but it, I think it was Me definitely either. well done. And I think they did it well. <laughs> like, which is thing. like I can see why it won Oscars like
1: um, th- this movie creates like some weird tension because it's like it's like that thing I was talking about earlier with that that game. You can see from the side so you can see everything that's going on in two separate rooms. And so, like, there's moments where someone will walk off between two walls, and it's kind of like this creation of tension because they're there and you can't see what they're doing. And, of course, it doesn't matter that much to everybody because some characters aren't doing anything dangerous. They're just walking around their house. But, like, it gets really bad whenever Lisa's in the apartment and he walks in. He Well, he comes to the door, and you can see him coming up the hallway, and you you only kind of catch him because they're looking at her at the apartment below, and they see him come up the stairs, and they're like, okay, you know, there's like this tension of like, he's coming up the hallway, and she's way back there. They can't really signal her easily.
0: Well, he could have, because he was supposed to, like, ring that apartment for... To let her warn her that he was coming, but he didn't because the nurse wanted him to call the cops about Miss Lonely Hearts. Yeah, suicide. he had
1: just called the cops about that woman, and so they were still on the phone, wasn't he? Yeah, he and, was waiting um, to get transferred
0: to the precinct.
1: That's right. When they get on the phone, he tells them that a the woman's being attacked before it even happens, and um, like then, then they get it gets even worse because when the guy comes in, she hides and she's off camera again because she's between the walls in what we think is a bathroom or closet, and then she comes out. And the lights go out, so you still can't see. So you're like, like are they going to kill Lisa right here? Like, he's like, got her in the dark. You can't see what's going on and stuff. And it was it was really like, they created tension in situations where you could see mostly everything that was going on, but he used the things that were unseen right. kind or of the neg- that could almost, be Not quite negative
0: space, but like, what you can't see is just as important as what you can see.
1: yeah. And, like, I thought that was interesting. Like, it's it's very deliberate, though. And, like, that's something you don't... You don't get a lot of deliberateness out of directors anymore. You get, you get a lot of, like, flash and stuff, but there's some things that they just... They don't do a deliberateness like that. Right, and I like, think that's
0: also why it's important that, you know, Hitchcock directed this from, kind of, Jeff's apartment. Like, so he can see what it is that he needs to not seen, be seen. Not like, seen. yeah. So he can be like, oh, you need to, like, move closer. I can still see you, or... I need to be able to see this and I can't see
1: it. Yeah, because at one point you can, I think you can see her come out. Well, no, you can see him see her at first Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: she's behind the wall and then she backs into the kitchen, which I don't know why she didn't just leave at that point. I think that she's... I think she was about to, but I think
0: he was faster than she anticipated. Yeah, he does.
1: He grabs her hand. He grabs her hand when she goes to leave. Because I was like, yeah, you should have just gone straight to that door at that point. Like, But he does grab her by the hands and she goes to leave. And I think that that's one of those things that, like, the director would see, like, Hitchcock would see that when he was looking across there. He's like, well, she's just in, like, an arm's length of the door almost, so just step back one step and grab the door. But, yeah, like, it it is deliberate directing, and it's funny to see someone do it so long ago and so well, and then you watch stuff and you're like, man, these people were messing up a movie. (laughs)
0: Like, I mean, not that, like, because Hitchcock also didn't give his actors a ton of direction either, which is also, I think, impressive in that he's able to still get what he wants. Um,
1: well, these two actors are really good, well-known actors. Also, it's not like they're just nobodies. But
0: no, Grace Kelly didn't actually have a very long career, though. Um, and this Hitchcock was one of like, one of her first major directors. Like this is her second Hitchcock movie. Um, but because she was in Dial in for Murder before this.
1: I, I also think that it's, it's a lot of it's about how you, how the actor knows. To act. Like if the actor is doing a good job of what you need them to do, then you don't have to direct them very right. much. But if they're out there just fucking it up, you gotta say, hey, you know, do this, do that.
0: Well and that's that's how I believe Hitchcock picked his actors. He picked people that he thought could understand the part and act accordingly.
1: And not just get in there and fuck it up and like make him do extra right. work, yeah.
0: Um and which is that's I mean it's it seems like common sense to a degree when you're casting a movie that you would do that. But clearly that's not always the case. So, uh, obviously, you didn't watch my Blu-ray, but my Blu-ray had actually had, like, the original theatrical trailer on it, which I watched.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> um, was, Old Towers are the worst.
0: Well, actually, I really liked the trailer for this one because it was almost like a prologue to the movie.
1: Um, what?
2: This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be the world. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, parts of it are really awkward, because it's, like, it's Jimmy Stewart's character Jeff talking into the camera a little bit for some of it. And he's, like, he's introducing, essentially, his neighbors, like, in what he calls them.
2: For instance, down there on the second floor, the woman pacing about, he calls her Miss Lonely Hearts so lonely that even death seems like a friend. These are the newlyweds on a honeymoon no one will ever forget. He calls her Miss Hearing Aid, an artist of a very odd and strange art. The songwriter who plays the same melody over and over again. A genius or insane?
0: Like, and he's talking about kind of like, the things that they tend to do, which I thought was really cool because you don't actually get that introduction to them in the movie
1: that's weird like it's funny it's funny to me like how trailers are going through like these transformations and when you said trailer for it what i expected was like a bunch of like cut together shots with this with that same old timey radio guy speaking over and he's like oh during this movie and like i I don't know i've I've seen a lot of older movie trailers just like a guy talking over like you know different themes from the movie about like what happens and then like works yeah i mean it has
0: it has a little bit of that at the end where it's like <laughs> um like make sure that you um come before it starts like because obviously you know in the, in the old movie theaters like you yeah, just came during the day like yeah you came in when you came in <laughs> so it's this one that said to actually make sure you see the whole thing so
1: My dad told me that shit, and I was baffled. He's like, we just go in movies and sit down, you watch to the end, and you watch, where you, watch see where you came in and get up and leave. I'm like, what the fuck were y'all doing? <laughs> like, right, that's why this, no one one had,
0: had, this one had kind of that announcer going, like, make sure you come before it starts so you can see the whole thing.
1: It's funny that they had to instruct you to show up on time. Yeah, the one question I did ask, um, let's see here. I was like, why is this dude so eager to go to, like, these shitty countries and leave this poor girl behind? And I was like, uh, like... He felt, he seemed like he just wanted to like have some kind of adventure in his life. And yeah, he just kind of missed the war, sort of like he didn't seem upset by the war. Him and the other guy had been there together, and that's how he knew the detective. You're right. What was the detective's name? Doyle, Doyle, Tom Doyle, Tom Doyle with his fucking hat from the monorail sales.
0: I don't know what this monorail sales thing you keep talking about is. So. Like,
1: you know those old sales guys who would sell, like, they would go sell, like, I think that's a Simpsons reference, to, but there's, there's like a type of salesman that used to have, like, the little jacket on and, like, the little flat-brimmed hat with the, that's what it reminds me of, it's like one of those dudes, like, that's what I thought about when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's like a, like a salesman, he sells, like, uh you know, little tonics and shit. <laughs>
0: well, this, the, this the murderer is, is a salesman
1: was it door to door was he like a real like a salesman that goes to business and that's what I. he thought was one that was went like to business businesses salesman. he did wholesale. That's what I thought too that's what I, that's what I thought he was doing because I didn't see him like carrying around like you know he wasn't like one of those fucking pyramid scheme people who meet you at the coffee place to talk to talk to right, you about but I mean door to door back
0: in the day wasn't necessarily all pyramid scheme stuff. it was
1: oh no, I know I get that like I, I actually have friends who've done door- to door sales for cut code uh, knives. So, I mean, I get that they still do that, like, real legitimate companies do it, but there's also, like, some, like, today we have a lot of that, you know, Invita Life or whatever shit they sell.
0: That's usually mostly done over social media, though, to be honest.
1: <laughs> now it is. Unless your friend tricks you into coming to Starbucks under the guise of meeting up and, and you know, getting to know each other again, and then, oh, here it is. It's like a, um, a whole deal.
0: Sounds like a, was, like a real thing that happened.
1: Uh, a few times. And there was actually a girl on Tinder here in town who uh, was doing that to guys. Like She would go on dates with them and she would just try to like sell them shit. It was great.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I have some, some fun facts that we... I've gone over a lot of them already.
1: Fun facts! <laughs> oh, maybe like a little scream thing.
0: But, yeah, I've gone over most of them already. Um, but one of the ones I found out today, which I actually thought was really interesting... Was it, this is one of five movies called the Lost Hitchcocks where shortly after it was like released um Hitchcock actually bought back the rights to it
1: and wouldn't release them anymore,
0: yeah, he wanted to leave it as an inheritance for his daughter and so after he died, you know she inherited them she got them re-released in the in nineteen eighty four it was like restored for that a little bit, not completely restored, but somewhat restored but then which I thought was interesting and in stuff that he, you know, he bought back some of his movies just to leave her, which is pretty cool, but...
1: Yeah, it's actually kind of odd.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, but it's cool, and she, I mean, obviously she understood that people want to see them, because she re-released them. I mean, obviously she made a lot of money doing so. <laughs> but, uh, I guess... Yeah. Actually, in 1971, uh, ABC actually illegally aired this movie on TV.
1: It would be ABC.
0: <laughs> like, technically they did not have the rights, because... Hitchcock owned them, but they aired it anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, how, how much did they get sued for, though? I didn't see question.
0: that, so I don't know. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty funny that they just went ahead and aired that it sounds, anyway.
1: I, I, I can't believe that they would even do that. Like, but, I mean, if it was going to be anybody, I'd be like, "Yeah, oh, the ABC would do this sort of <laughs> shit.
0: Yeah, so, fun fact. <laughs> and so, you know, in 2007, uh, the American Film Institute... Gave this, it was the 48th greatest movie of all time.
1: I mean, I could see that for like a film institute. It really, I mean, it's well done. It's definitely well done. And I I think all these remakes of it probably are all worse off because they probably don't understand what makes the movie so well done.
0: Right, I mean, a lot of like, cause like a lot of shows have borrowed it for like an episode, like bottle episode of some kind, and yeah. So overall, what did you think of the movie? They, I mean, I guess we kind of just went over that a little bit, but
1: yeah, I mean, we, we, I, I definitely liked it. I mean, like you said, you're not picking bad movies, so, and you, you know what I like better than I probably know what you like for sure. <laughs> like, I'm mostly right, but I mean. I think you have a pretty good handle on like the kind of things I wouldn't like. And so, you know, you pick the thing that is like technically impressive and is well written and well directed. And so that's, those are things that I can at least appreciate, especially even if the story is not that great. And I actually did like the story. I just, I, I kind of was surprised by it too. Cause like I said, I expected it all kind of turn Well, I I, think they're going to turn on Jeff and be like, oh, Jeff's crazy. But they all were like on board with Jeff, like from the middle of the movie on. They're like, yeah, we're going to help Jeff do this. (laughs) So that worked out.
0: All right. And so I also said that we would probably uh, talk about Hitchcock being a creep uh, because it's unfortunately very relevant right now.
1: I think it will be relevant for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Because um, uh,
0: it's, it's something like, especially with Hollywood stuff, it's, it is a tricky line to watch, because like, people that you like, or create things that you like a lot, apparently do a lot of bad things. <laughs> and so you have to like reconcile the terrible things that they did with the great things that they did. And Hitchcock is fairly well known for being a bit of a creep. Um, I don't know how much you've heard about the term Hitchcock blonde. Most of his movies star like an icy blonde woman. <laughs> um, and he has been known to be kind of creepy with them. Tippy Hedren, who was in The Birds, uh, refused to work with him again, even though he wanted her to. I haven't learned a lot about his creepy behavior because I do find it really troubling, and I probably should learn more. It's been highlighted in a few movies that I've seen.
1: It's always hard to decide how much you want to learn about it, because it's like, it's not even just that it's troubling, it's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, a sort of tourism that people get about these things, where they just want to read awful shit that happens to someone else. And so it kind of makes you feel guilty in that way. But at the same time, it also isn't your necessarily your intention.
0: Right. And with this one, um, it's it's hard because like, I do think Hitchcock created a lot of very important films, which I think is like the same excuse a lot of people use for Woody Allen. But I mean, to me they aren't on the same level, but I mean, Hitchcock is also dead. So (laughs) there's that.
1: I don't understand what makes Alan so impressive and I feel like a lot of his movies seem like they're biographical and almost like trying to justify like the creepy shit he's into whereas with Hitchcock I don't feel like that's what he's done like I've watched a lot of Hitchcock you know Alfred, uh, his tv show that was on Nick at Night for a while I've seen a few movies I think of his here and there or parts of them and nothing in them made me feel like oh this guy is just creepy with women it just felt like, you know, if anything, a product of the time, more than just like him being a weird creepo. And I think that I think the difference is that when someone makes art about just general shit and they're a bad person, you can separate the two, but when they make art about how they're a bad person or to justify it, like that's what makes Louis C. K. and like Woody Allen such a problem is that, you know, they, they made light of the problems that they were. But I would doing.
0: put I would put Hitchcock more in like the Weinstein category. Um,
1: like like jacking off in plants and shit.
0: <laughs> well, no, where he's more he's exerting his power over people that are in oh, his well, movies and things like that, yeah. and like in cre- making, creating, de- destroying careers, all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, that that that's that's definitely very troubling, especially if he's if he's using it to affect the rest of their whole career. But mm-hmm. it it also Cause, I
0: mean Tippi Hedren, she left Hollywood like she damn yeah (laughs) she didn't want any part of it anymore so but
1: but i mean it also it also still to me feels like if they're directing or making something about what they're doing wrong and it almost kind of justifies it then that feels to me more sinister than that's creepy but i mean that
0: doesn't negate though that the other person just because they made something that wasn't about their own creepy behavior doesn't mean that what they did wasn't a problem
1: Oh, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a problem. I'm saying that, like, it m- makes it easier to separate it from the problem they that they were, you know, creating. The problem that they're, the thing they're doing. Because, you know, it feels almost like when they're making it about what they're doing, it's justifying it for you to accept it still. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, as you were talking about accepting the art and not act, Right, but not I necessarily, mean, like,
0: I think I have an easier time with Hitchcock because he is dead and he does not directly benefit from my enjoying his older films. Um, yeah. Whereas obviously like someone like Woody Allen, like I've actually never seen a Woody Allen film because I learned about his creepy behavior before I ever saw a movie of his. And I, saw I one right of them, now I have no interest in it because I think he is a creep.
1: <laughs> I saw one of them because of the creepy behavior because someone was talking about how it plays into the movie and he's just telegraphing it the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it to see like, was this like a thing that really happened? And it was the movie Manhattan where he's dating like a 17-year-old girl and the 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 it's him playing the actor uh, playing the main character and he's dating like a 17-year-old girl and he's like in his late 30s and it's kind of just discussed as being like this sort of cool new hip thing and you know it also like Seinfeld the way like they would talk about things is just like this kind of blase sort of like you know
2: yada yada yada
1: or whatever but it was like I'm dating an underage girl and you're like no that's not just the same thing you can't just discuss this the way you would discuss green tea or fucking you know a new kind of bagel or some shit right and then there's also
0: there's Roman Polanski who created probably one of the most influential horror movies Rosemary's Baby and was married to Sharon Tate which I think has gotten him a lot of slack because of what happened to her but he's been accused of rape multiple times and he can't even come back into the U.S. (laughs)
1: like yeah i i don't understand how that fucker is not locked up and i also understand how people still defend him and you know the the defense a lot of time is just that it was so long ago whatever but that's not an apt defense for me because it, it it doesn't well most of the time when it was a long time ago we find out later on that oh it keeps happening even then and on top of that it's like it being a long time ago doesn't mean that the crime is Right, like it's, you know, have merit. If
0: it's if it happened that long ago, like that's just how long you know the victim has been living with it. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, and the other person's been you know not in jail or punished. They've just been hanging out, doing what they were doing, and often and, getting and, success
0: know, and critical acclaim. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, Polanski was doing it, was getting critical acclaim after it was found out he was directing movies, and they were still right. coming out. And when it's know, like
0: that's hard because like I do appreciate Rosemary's Baby, like as a very pivotal cl- horror film never seen it it's it's good but it's like i also can't i w- don't think i would ever encourage anyone to watch it because i'm like if you don't want to support Roman polanski i'm okay with that like don't
1: <laughs> i mean we have ways around that now i won't say them out loud get like, in trouble.
0: But... <laughs> but i mean it's also like he even if you aren't like monetarily like supporting him like it, it's it's weird to be like yes that was a great movie but shit. <laughs> it's by someone who's I mean,
1: terrible. I, I guess that it's just like it's it's a lot harder with authors to get to get so upset over it, because authors do some crazy shit, too. I mean, there's all the stuff Lewis Carroll did. Uh, you know, like, just go to Lewis Carroll's Wikipedia page, and it's just like a lot... Oh, the thing what with Lewis, Lewis Carroll, though, children. is a
0: lot of that... A, a lot of that is not proven. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean,
0: you, there's a lot that people wrote in, like... People... I don't know, it's that's a very different because, like we don't have a lot of like firsthand accounts of anything from right around him.
1: Well, it, it, the thing about Liz Carroll that, that makes it harder to say for me that it isn't proven is just that like the things we do have from him directly are really weird and there's the kind of things that I don't even think back then would have been looked at as just like admiration of some beauty or something like you know him painting nude five year olds and there's a model he keeps using. You're like, this is weird. Like I don't. Oh like no, he, I'm sure this. he was
0: a really weird dude. Like I, it's just like <laughs> I just think that especially when it's so far back that you don't have like firsthand accounts. Like yeah, that, there's a there's a fine line of like, oh, that person could have been a creep, but we don't actually have anything that says.
1: Directly it's like also harder was. to get mad when everybody involved is dead you know like right in, in the case of like some of these people we're dealing with now they might be dead but the people that are the people that are uh that dealt with it like children of the people who did it or people children of the people who dealt with it or people who dealt with it directly are still alive and you can speak to them but Lewis Carroll's case, like, those people are all dead now, and, like, I think that makes it a little bit easier to deal with, which is not make it okay, but it's also just not at the forefront. Because
0: I, I think there's just, there's a fine line between, like, kind of believing some kind of, like, interesting drama happened and making something, like, someone gives giving something a little bit more, like, color to their backstory, even if it's terrible. Yeah. Over, like, accepting that yeah, he was weird, but maybe nothing happened, like, because you, no, unfortunately, that's the thing, like, no one knows for sure except who was there. <laughs>
1: So what movie are we watching next time?
0: Next week, we are going to be watching Anastasia. The cartoon? <laughs> yes, the cartoon. Figured it's time we got an animated one on our on our list.
1: How did you know I hadn't seen that movie yet? Because I totally could have seen that movie.
0: Uh, because I asked you if you'd seen it, and you said no.
1: Damn. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Laura's kind of psychic. But never mind. So yeah, so we're going to watch Anastasia next time. And, uh, it's
0: got some great voice acting from Meg Ryan and John Cusack.
1: Really? Yeah. That's thought it be awkward.
0: They're not the singers, but they are the voices, of uh, the speaking voices.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like my movies now, like like they are now, where the singers are the voice actors. <laughs> that new Lion King's gonna be like. Crazy shit because we got Charlie Gambino doing Simba. I was like, I'm on board for this, and John Stewart as Zazu. I'm super, super excited. Not
0: John Stewart. Shit. You mean John Oliver?
1: John Oliver. Damn it. It was John Stewart too. It was both of them. <laughs> all right, Laura. So I think that's it for this week with Rear Window. Um, tell them where they can find us online.
0: They can find our podcast at LastChanceTheater.com. On Twitter at LastChanceTHTR, and everything else at Last Chance Theater.
1: Okay, and uh, where can they find you online?
0: They can find me on all the social medias at FloraXJ.
1: And uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at CTK86, and on Instagram and Flickr at LensOfJustin. Alright, so I'd like to thank you all for joining us again this week, and we'll see you next time. In uh, two for weeks. Last Theater, I've been just Yeah, <laughs> in two weeks. <laughs> uh, for Last Chance Theater, I've been Justin.
0: I'm Laura. Thanks for listening. Stay